Hello, I'm Chase Blasick, an Asia-Pacific analyst at RAIN. This podcast is brought to you by RAIN Worldview. Subscribe today at stratfor.com. Welcome to RAIN's Essential Geopolitics Podcast. I'm Emily Donahue. Thank you for joining us. As Russia's war in Ukraine continues, military analysts are questioning both the efficacy of the Kremlin's military strategy and the state of its forces. But will either deter Putin's plans for Ukraine? Well, here now with analysis of options Russia might have for the war in eastern Ukraine is Matthew Orr, Reign's Eurasia analyst. Welcome, Matthew. Hi, Emily. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. Can we start with what analysts are saying about Russia's military right about now? Uh, yes, absolutely. Military analysts are, have basically been saying for a while now that Russia really only has the forces to conduct this current uh, offensive in eastern Ukraine in the Donbass area, and that once this offensive kind of peters out, um, you know, what win, lose, or draw in that, they're going to be kind of a, a spent force uh, offensively. It doesn't mean they need to, you know, uh, cede ground or or uh, withdraw. It just means that. Um, uh, amid the the continued weapons deliveries from the West to Ukraine, it's going to be very difficult for them to conduct further offensive uh, operations. Um, that that that's a far cry from some of the uh, incorrect speculation that has been going on for weeks now that that Russia was capable, for example, uh, of launching a, a new offensive in southern Ukraine, trying to link up with the Transnistria region, uh, the breakaway region of Moldova, or potentially capture the port city uh, of Odessa. Uh, th- those kinds of things look entirely out of the question and, and have for a while, really. Um, so now the question is, does Russia have enough manpower to uh, to solidify and hold the gains that, it, that it's making in this offensive? Uh, and, and that's really the open question, because Russia is beginning to run into manpower issues, where the Ukrainians, of course, have declared a general mobilization of their country, right? Basically putting themselves on a, a martial law and war footing, and getting every able-bodied male, age 18 to 60, who has been barred from leaving the country, uh, and has a lot of manpower to to, to do things and, and to conduct this war. Uh, Russia is not. Russia has not declared war, uh, and it is, is still in a peacetime footing. And so, as this con- as this war goes on and on, it's going to need more manpower. And so, the question now is, where is it going to come from? So wait, Matthew, Russia has not declared war. Remind me what it's called. Yes. <laughs> The uh, Russia's actions in Ukraine are being called a special military operation. Uh, in fact, calling the war a war uh, is 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 is, cons- is considered uh, discrediting of the Russian armed forces and, and carries large uh, penalties up to, to many years in prison. So, in Russia, people are still being told that this is not a war. In fact, it's a special military operation to avoid a war. Uh, war, what the Russian people are being told, of course. Uh, war is what would have happened if Russia had not launched this preemptive operation. Of course, that's objectively uh, all incorrect, but it's an, it's an important thought to keep in mind um, that the Russian people are very isolated from this very obvious fact that this is a war. So let's go back to the armed forces. Is Russia actually considering war and mobilization measures? Well, yes, they are. They they absolutely are. Ru- Russia understands that it needs more more manpower, no matter what. Uh, and so the question is, what are its options for getting that manpower? Uh, speculation on Russia declaring war has been speculated on, particularly in the Western media, in the past week. 
Uh, there's been reports that uh, that Putin might even declare some kind of uh, mobilization or declare the, a war uh, on May 9th. Um, I, I think that that's quite unlikely, uh, and there there are several reasons for that that, that we'll get into. Um, but the fundamental issue is that Russia needs more uh, manpower. And so what are its options? Uh, the, the first option is, as I said, declaring this war uh, and mobilizing uh, for a war. What would that do? That would mean that um, all able-bodied men in Russia – uh, uh, um, over the con- people of conscription a- age would be conscripted, and then everybody uh, over 27, uh, usually to around 50 or 60, uh, would be required to, to show up to certain locations uh, for participation in uh, war efforts. Um, if this step is taken across all of Russia, uh, it would lead to many more people than Russia uh, necessarily needs. But more importantly, it would build this expectation that Russia is now at war. And to achieve victory in the war, there would be this expectation that victory now at this point is not what the things that Putin has been talking about more recently, you know, just saying uh, uh, securing the, the, the Donbass area, but instead would, be, would, would presuppose Russia returning to these more maximalist war efforts of the alleged de- denazification, demilitarization of Ukraine, and would pre- presume that Russia is going to make a renewed t- attempt to seize Kiev, to install a pro-Russian government, to seize more of southern Ukraine. Uh, and that's a, that's a very unpopular and, and risky uh, uh, po- pr- proposition, uh, as many Russian people realize that they would be uh, um, at, at, at extreme danger. Of course, military-aged men would look, would look to flee the country. Um, people would, would be pushed out of, uh, out of certain jobs into military jobs, armaments production, um, things of that nature. And all of that would be very negative for the Russian economy. Uh, for for Putin's popularity and very risky because even if Russia went to all these steps, it's still not guaranteed a victory and it is guaranteed uh, high military losses. So uh, I I tend to think that a a general mobilization and declaration of war remains uh, uh, very unlikely. So if that's the case, Matt, what are his other options then? Yeah, he he has two other options. The other option uh, would be to uh, do nothing, to continue calling this a special military operation and to uh, not resort to uh, a general mobilization to solve his manpower problem. Um, The problem is that this is is very risky because uh, the Ukrainians in that case will begin uh, very dangerous counterattacks. Following this Russian offensive, Russian forces will be at their most uh, vulnerable because they're not yet maximally uh, dug in to, to their new positions, um, and the Ukrainians still have the, the, the manpower advantage, so the Ukrainians would be incentivized to, to start counterattacking and start re-seizing, you know, recapturing their own territory, and of course Russia losing territory on the battlefield and, and then not regaining it would, would be a disgrace uh, for, for the Russian army and would be considered a, a loss. That scenario of doing nothing also comes with very high risks. And so for that reason, I think that the most likely scenario is something between the first two options. Basically, it's, it's a third door where Putin is going to say, how do I get more manpower but without over-mobilizing and declaring war and things like that? And so what I, what I think that means is that he's going to do some kind of partial mobilization. Uh, legally, it's going to be difficult to do because um, the, the only, per Russian law, the, the really only type of partial mobilization that's, that's understood is a, a mobilization in specific regions of Russia. So, Russia, so Putin could, for example, mobilize uh, uh, people in the regions of Russia that border Ukraine. I think that's probably 
uh, one of the more likely versions of this where they basically say these regions of Russia are, are under danger now and so we need to uh, conduct mobilization in, in these areas and, and move uh, military-aged men and other people into this, this war uh, uh, footing. Uh, Another version of this partial mobilization would be one where basically Putin, you know, creates a new legal f framework to basically selectively conscript people, um, some, essentially some some sort of a draft system where the government gets broad uh, capabilities to select people um, based off of uh, certain uh, uh, parameters, based off of where you work, the, the considered importance of your job to, uh, to, to the economy, uh, to basically selectively force people in, into military or other uh, service and then the, the final version of this is one where basically at for, for example at his uh, victory day speech uh, on May 9th Putin declares some kind of new patriotic uh, volunteer push he puts a lot of emphasis on volunteers and said people should you know as part of their patriotic duty to Russia they should uh, uh, volunteer uh, of course they might try to add certain economic stimulus to that large bonuses for signing up for the armed forces um, but this also comes with a lot of risks because if Putin throws his political weight behind this volunteer program and then it, and then it also fails uh, on the battlefield or fails to get enough signups, then that comes with very specific direct risks uh, for Putin. But given the circumstances, I think some kind of partial mobilization like this is, is very likely. So, Matt, let me ask you something. I've been reading a lot of articles that suggest that this could in the end, or could rapidly, turn into what is essentially a proxy war between Russia and NATO. How likely is that? Yeah, to answer that question, I think it's important to point out that that's how Russia is beginning to frame the conflict for the Russian people. They're saying, oh, the reason the special military operation is going a little bit slower than planned is that this is NATO has has you know provided it's really a conflict with NATO it's just a, a, essentially a a proxy conflict um, because NATO is providing all, all of these uh, weapons that are allowing the Ukrainians to um, resist so effectively um, the thing is is that we we have the West has been uh, providing some weapons that are really helpful to the Ukrainians most recently these artillery systems uh, certain anti-air systems um, but the, 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 the prospect of, of the conflict escalating into a, a Russia-NATO confrontation, I, I think, is still low. I mean, there's still several kind of triggers that we would need to go through uh, for, for that to happen. The first is that Russia seems to have already accepted the, the nature and types of support that we're giving uh, Ukraine, the types of weapons, and has, has not forcefully retaliated to that. And so uh, I think it's unlikely that they would... Uh, for example, uh, uh, signal some kind of major escalation or provocation, for example, raise their nuclear threat level more uh, just because of the artillery systems that we're providing uh, Ukraine. So th there has to be some kind of incident that would cause this kind of spillover into a, a larger uh, conflict uh, with NATO. Although the longer this war goes on and the longer the stalemate um, on the battlefield grinds on, which appears to be the most likely scenario is, is, is several more months of grinding conflict, this still low probability of the conflict escalating into a Russian-NATO uh, confrontation will slowly but steadily rise as, as, as Russia feels that um, it, it, it might need to um, create some kind of escalation with NATO to justify certain measures internally to escalate the war or an attempt to basically escalate to de-escalate, right? Russia might seek to escalate with NATO uh, in some way precisely in order to get NATO to, to back down 
and to uh, stop providing certain amounts of support for Ukraine and so on. Um, so it's definitely a topic that I think we're going to be talking about constantly as Russia's war in Ukraine wages on. Matthew Orr is Rain's Eurasia analyst, and he is an in-house expert on the situation in Ukraine. Thank you so much, Matt. Sure thing, Emily. You can read Matt's latest column in Rain Worldview, but you need a subscription. Lucky for you, Rain is offering four weeks of content for just one dollar. You can subscribe today and take advantage of that offer at stratfor.com. That's stratfor.com. I'm Emily Donahue. Thank you for listening.